the biggest impact isn't what you see in a lot of ways. If you want to just test images, you have three different options. Do you do that or do you have like a minimum or it's like, okay, I know this text works, so I'm not even going to test this variable. But in terms of like actual strategy, it really changes every time. Hello, hello world. Welcome to another episode of Marketing on Mars. Uh, today, we got another marketing expert on the hot seat. Uh, today, we're going to talk about some pretty hot topics in marketing as usual. And so, Devin, um, I told you just before this episode started, we're going to be starting off the episode with some hot sauce just to get everything, get everything all warmed up so that there's nothing more hotter. No questions can be hotter than this. Um, what do you got today for hot sauce? Um, I'm having Tabasco that was left at okay. my house. I don't normally right. really eat a lot of spicy stuff. So luckily somebody left us here. So, all right. Great. So I have Tor Tortuga Gordo. I actually went to a beer festival a uh, couple of weeks ago and I was very lucky to meet the founder of this company. Um, and the hot sauce is very hot. It, it contains Carolina Reaper peppers, which is the second spiciest pepper in the world. Hopefully I don't die. Last time I died, but uh, gonna... I feel like some. I'm supposed to be the one in the hot seat and you're going to have a much harder time than I am. It's okay. It, now, now, because it basically gets me in this uh, mood where no questions is off limits. So I want to be asking you okay. questions that are way harder now. Okay. All right. Cheers. <laughs> cheers. That was not that bad. Um, okay. That was pretty bad. Oh, there's no water. Uh, I'm going to drink a little bit of... Yeah, you need Ooh. to have Chase nearby when you're doing something like that. Holy smokes. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I definitely put myself on a hot seat now. Um, you're, you're based... Uh, Sorry, let me just let me just go back. I'll give like a brief intro. Um, so Devin is the chief marketing officer of Prominio Tech. Uh, Prominio Tech, for those of you who don't know, basically is a education provider or education as a service provider, and they partner up with a lot of community colleges uh, colleges across North America. Um, that are basically, they contain very affordable tech education programs. So if you're a student looking to make a career change into tech, Prominio Tech works with over 1,500 students. Um, uh, and is that, is that annually, by the way, 1,500 students? So at this point, we've done it about 1,500 total. 1,500 um, total. Yeah, in 2021, we serviced 300 students. Um, oh, okay. and we've grown that to, we're going, we were hoping to get 1200 this year, but it looks like it's going to be closer to 1600. So, wow. um, it's, it's, it's small, but it's really good growth. Um, and then, you know, next year, hopefully doing it all again. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so basically Prominio Tech, you got Devin, who's a chief marketing officer. She has a, she has a background in social media marketing. Um, 
But maybe Devin, you can start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, your background, your expertise in marketing, and how you arrived at Perminio Tech. Yeah, I'd love to. So basically, um, I started out um, really not knowing what I wanted to do. I was in communications in university. I was really interested in things like PR, communications, working in employee relations, things like that. Um, and obviously, I graduated from university, had no experience. So I did what I think a lot of people do, which is work at a bank. Um, and I did that for about two years. Um, and then I worked at a, another bank, but it was even worse because it was a custodial bank. So it was even more boring. Um, but after that, I was so miserable at that job. One of my friends who worked at Yellow Pages at the time reached out to me and said, you hate your job. You're so miserable. Come and work at Yellow Pages with me um, because it's such a great launch pad for you know young marketers. And it totally is. So um, I worked there on their Facebook ads team. Um, okay. It was yeah. a really, really good foundation. I learned a lot about you know business manager. Um, I learned a lot about kind of communicating with clients um, and kind of working with other areas of marketing, even though I was, you know, in charge of Facebook ads. Um, there was a lot about campaign management and SEM, SEO. It was really kind of a full service marketing agency for small to medium sized businesses. Um, yeah. And then after that, I'm really sorry, I live in a really high traffic area. So if you can hear the ambulance. <laughs> I can, I definitely can hear that. But uh, yeah, go ahead. So yeah, so uh, SEM, SEO. Yeah. And then um, after working there for about a year, I started working at another company called MarketTap and it was kind of uh, an a la carte marketing agency. Um, really, really good learning opportunity. Um, I was only there for about five months though, um, before I was reached out to by uh, my current company or my, my last company, which was Trilogy Education. Um, and that is really where all of these pieces sort of came together. It was another kind of education wow. as a service provider. Um, and they had recently been acquired by 2U, which is one of the biggest online tech education uh, companies in the world. Um, and it was really oh, yeah. just, I had the opportunity to work with a lot of really brilliant people, um, mm -hmm. mostly based out of New York and Florida. Um, and it was really just the biggest learning opportunity. I was there for a little over two years. And then uh, my CEO now, Nick Suen, reached out to me a little, uh, about a year and a half ago, actually, we started talking just about, you know, maybe the potential of me um, taking a job with his company, which at the time was very tiny, only 11 employees. I think I was the 11th. Um, basically doing the same thing, but in a, in a way that was a little bit more rewarding. Like we have a really mm. strong company ethos and mission statement. Um, so it did feel like the right time to move. And it also felt like the right time to really take the reins and be the person who was in charge of strategy and decision-making. Um, yeah. and it's been, it's been awesome ever since I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. Cool. So basically <clears throat> you've been, you've been doing digital marketing, since 2018, so call it four years. What are some of the biggest learnings that you've that you found? Like what what separates a bad digital marketing campaign from a good one? So this might be really obvious to people who work in the industry, but definitely as I was kind of figuring out what I wanted to do and where I wanted to take my career, um, the biggest thing that I've noticed is that the the biggest impact 
isn't what you see in a lot of ways. Like I think a lot of people think of marketing, especially social media marketing is like really beautifully curated pictures, really um, detailed brand stories and really, um, you know, just an aesthetic um, surface level kind of campaign idea. And really it's so much more than that. It's so much more the guts of what's inside the campaign versus the actual outward facing piece. Even though that piece is important, um, I would say that I had absolutely no idea how big of an impact um, campaign management and strategy could yeah. could be could do for a company. Um, and and like and just like the data that you collect, right? And being able to visualize and understand. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So you, you, so you learned a lot at Yellow Pages. You worked at a few marketing agencies and then you worked at Trilogy Education. By the way, yeah. Trilogy Education, over a thousand employees, $50 million Series B round, huge company. Um, and now you took all those learnings into Perminio Tech and the company has mm-hmm. been growing insane. Uh, there are some stats you shared with me last time. Tell, tell us, just give us for some context, how fast is Prominio Tech growing over the last couple of years? Any so, any figures or facts that you can share? Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say over the last, so I've been there for just over a year. Um, you know, we've, we had a really clear idea when I first came on of what kind of steps had to be taken to get us to the next level. Um, and I'm happy to share with you. I have, I have some stuff like <laughs> available that I can, uh, I can kind of draw from. Um, but essentially, we had a bit of a plan. We knew we wanted to have 1,200 students this year, and I kind of came on mid-2021. Um, and in 2021, we were able to get 300 students. This year, we have a goal of 1,200 with a stretch goal of 1,600. Um, and we're, we're, it is looking like we're going to hit that 1,600 goal. Um, last year, we experienced 3x uh our revenue. And then this year we're on track to hit 4X. So it's really interesting and cool because it doesn't feel like super fast growth to us because everything we do is like very measured. We're very conservative in terms of like spending money and making sure that every investment we make really does back out before we add more kind of fuel to the fire. Um, but when you do look at it, you kind of zoom out and you see just how much you've done in any in a year um, and even, you know, a year and a half, two years. And it is, you know, it's it's growing. It's it's fast, but it's it's measured, I would say. Hmm, I see. So uh, so very, very fast growth. Have you guys raised any money as, as well? Over the uh, last yeah, few we years? did one. We did one seed round of funding um, and that was nine hundred thousand dollars USD. Um mm-hmm. I believe that hit our accounts last August, August 2021, so just about a year ago. Um, and then we actually had interest of about $3 million. So we did leave a lot on the table and really just took what we needed. Again, yeah. kind of prioritizing that really slow, sustainable growth um, yeah. by not biting off more than we could chew at once. So where is that money going towards? So the, the money just hit the bank what are you anticipating in terms of like, where's the spend going to be going? Like, what's the focus for growth? Uh, Yeah. So obviously some of that is going to be directed towards attracting really good talent and making sure that everybody, um, you know, gets paid for the work that they're doing. But the bulk of what we're using that money for is really just to 
hone our marketing strategy. So a lot of it is pretty much all of it is being directed towards um, paid advertising. So that's what I kind of came, I brought that expertise to the table and it was really, that was where we felt that we had to put like invest in the business in order to propel it forward. And so that's what we've done. Um, And primarily we do, we do uh, advertise on Google, but I would say our bread and butter is Facebook or meta. Mm. If, if you want to call it that, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's um, yeah. it's very much focused on Facebook ads. So if you were to, if there was like a, if there was like a pie, right? What percent yeah. of that would be Facebook versus Google versus any other, you know, SEO influencers and, or anything else, other, other channels? Yeah. So the influencer thing is a bit of an interesting piece because it's not something that we've done and it's not really something that we um, think would be compatible with our business. So we don't really do anything with influencers at all. Um, I would say that I would like really 90% of our spend is on Facebook, uh, probably 10% on Google. Um, you know, we do LinkedIn ads here and there. Um, but we've noticed, um, we've really kind of been able to work with the Facebook algorithm and also with our amazing rep that we work with as well, who constantly gives us strategy ideas and really helps us kind of take advantage and use the platform as best we can. We found that the cost per customer acquisition on Facebook is the most efficient. So Hmm. we're a very small team. We don't really want to spread the money around. Um, We'd rather keep it where we know it's going to work, especially as we're kind of like trying to meet these goals and make sure that um, we can we can have the confidence of everyone to kind of keep growing at the rate we are. Yeah. So obviously when you came in, so you came in about a year ago, was the Facebook uh, campaigns all set up and optimized properly when you first joined or did it take a little bit of of time and you had to bring in some of your expertise as well? Yeah, so they did, they had run Facebook ads. Um, I have a wonderful young woman who works for me named Matt, works with me named Maddie. She's amazing. And she was the one who kind of had um, control over the business manager account when I first came on and she was doing an incredible job. Um, But again, she didn't have a ton of experience. So when I came on, I kind of taught her how best to use the platform, how to, you know, make sure that the campaign structure was what it should be, how to take advantage of prior data that we have access to and really use it on the platform to our advantage, um, how to design creative that's going to resonate with the audiences, um, all things like that. And so now we have a really, really well-oiled machine where we can kind of, you know, put a bunch of campaigns out there, really let them do their magic, look at the data, parse through it, and then kind of iterate on it month over month. Yeah. So, so you you mentioned earlier. Obviously, Facebook is the biggest channel for you guys, and you said that the mm-hmm. cost per acquisition is quite good. Give us a sense of what that looks like. Like, is it? Um, do you have any f- figures that you can share um, for cost per acquisition, or maybe even like the the you know the CAC to LTV ratio? You know, all these all these KPIs. Like, wh- what are we looking at in in this industry? Um, in this industry, um, you know, it really varies because the cost per program varies. Um, for example, at Trilogy to you, the cost per customer acquisition was usually around $2,400. Um, but our pricing is high. Yeah. (laughs) So it's high, it's high. Right. So, um, 
But that there's a reason for that because obviously a 2U or a trilogy, their programs are prohibitively expensive um, in a lot of cases. So one of our, like one of the core parts like how of our much, company. How much, how much would that cost? Um, the LTV their, their, their programs would be anywhere from, I think probably 11,000 to 13,000, depending on the program. Um, and Is that a two-year program? Are, no, it's like an 18-week coding bootcamp. Oh my goodness! Twenty four. Okay. And yeah, yeah. And it's, do it's, it's and do expensive. and do customers usually do multiple terms, like multiple eight weeks, or just usually just eight weeks, and then once they're done, they're done. Um. So, if you want to be at that company, if you wanted to be a full stack web developer, it would be twenty four weeks of training. Um. And then I think for the other programs, if I'm remembering correctly, some of them are eighteen weeks, some of them are sixteen weeks. But at ours, I see. Um. They're you know, 18 weeks, 16 weeks. And it's usually our most expensive one is about $5,000 US. So we do really kind of make it affordable and accessible wow. for the average person, um, which so, leads so to then, our- So then at, at Trilogy, sorry to interrupt. I'm just, yeah, yeah. I, I, the, the numbers are great. Okay, so a Trilogy is $2,000 for a 13, 2000 for a CAC and then- 12,000 for LTV or 13,000. Mm -hmm. So that's like a six, six X CAC to LTV ratio. Um, for, so for you guys, if $5,000 is the LTV, the CAC needs to be quite low, right? In yeah. order to so be profitable. Because we're, because we've only been kind of collecting data for about a year, we're not a hundred percent sure where it's going to land. Um, yeah. but it is, it is consistently under a thousand dollars, which works okay. for us. Okay, so that's at least five x, uh, you know, CAC to LTV or LTV to CAC ratio. So that's so that's good. That's quite good. Um, uh, be before we end off, anything else for keys to Facebook marketing there that that you found at uh, Perminio Tech? Um, yeah, I think one of the things that people really, and this is something that I think happens in every industry to every person, but your job's never done. Um, platforms change all the time. There are always new features to take advantage of. There are always workarounds. There are always, you know, ways to be optimizing and iterating. Um, so my, one of my biggest pieces of advice was, you know, plan ahead and really, if even if you do see amazing success with something, you need to have your next three or four strategy um, tests kind of waiting in the wings so that you can roll them out whenever you want. Um, obviously, demand changes with seasonality. So really think ahead, start writing copy about, you know, back to school in May. Start thinking about New Year's copy in September. Um, just always really try and think ahead so that you're never scrambling and never kind of like panicking because I think a lot of people um, when they're out creating campaigns, it's reactionary. Um, and I think it makes for a lot, like a much better work environment if you have stuff in the bank that you can kind of pull out, that you have a relative idea that you know will work. Okay, so two questions come out of that. So do you usually, so when it comes to testing, do you usually test one ad at a time uh, or do you, test several campaigns at a time. That's part one. And then the second part is how far ahead do you usually create your uh, prepare? Do you usually use the same 
campaign that worked last year for this year, or do you are you always constantly changing year over year? Two questions. Okay, yeah. Um, so in terms of how far ahead um, for seasonality, I would do it the season before. Like if you know, like it, that that stuff's never going to change. Like it's always going to be, you know, it's Christmas in six months, New Year's. So you know that's coming. So always have, and then you can keep using that if something, if copy you know, learn to code in 2022 did really, really well, then you can roll that out again in 2023. That's always going to be the same. Um, but in terms of like actual strategy, it really changes every time. So mm. ideally you're really only changing one element of the campaign at a time to really understand what worked and what didn't. And if the piece that you're changing is going to make an impact. Um, but because it's such a sophisticated platform. You can, there's a lot of resources available to you that you can kind of test really efficiently. So running a split test. Um, if I want to test creative, um, it could be, you know, a color block background versus a white background. And I'm going to throw that out and run a test with it. It could be, I have five different audiences made from people at different stages of the funnel. And I'm going to put that out there and see which one results in low CPLs. And then I'm going to check back in six months to see which ones resulted in low CPEs, cost per enrollments. Um, mm -hmm. So it, it, you can test a lot of different areas of the campaign rather than just you know, one piece of creative or one audience. It's, there's a lot you can do and a lot you can learn. Yeah. And so like, do you always make sure to have three different options for each different variable? Like for example, if you're just testing copy, you want to have three different sets. If you want to just test images, you have three different options. Do you do that? Or do you have like a minimum or it's like, okay, I know this text works, so I'm not even going to test this variable. I'm only going to test yeah. the other ones. Like how, how do you think, like what goes on in your head when you're thinking about what to test? Okay, well, first of all, I would never test three of anything because I like even numbers. Um, and <laughs> like that would just not be okay. That would not be okay with me. <laughs> but um, um, yeah, I would say in terms of copy, I like to have around four. Um, four. I think okay. that's a good. Um, and then in like in creative, I like to have four as well. Um, you want to have two kind of, you know, value props that are going to speak to your audience. Um, and you compare that with different background images, different, you know, you can rely on the school colors or you can't, or, you know, like it really just kind of mix and matches. Um, and then you will, you will see trends emerge eventually, even on a broader scale. Like there's a reason why a picture of the city in which we're marketing with text overlaid on top does a lot better than a dark colored background saying learn to code in 18 weeks or whatever it is. Like you do start to get a sense of what people do like to see in their feed and how it helps nurture them towards becoming a lead. Yeah. Okay. So testing, obviously very important. Uh, we've talked a lot about testing. Talk to mm -hmm. us about some uh, like uh, iOS 14, the new update that rolled out attribution yeah. kind of sucks nowadays what's yeah. what are you how are you like what kind of things are you doing to mitigate this or is there no way to mitigate it uh, talk to us about this so i don't think that there's any way to like legally mitigate it but 
I would say, obviously, Facebook has done a really good job uh, with their conversions API, connecting Facebook to your CRM so that they can talk to each other and attribution can be a little bit more accurate. Um, But yeah, we do see some things that are just unavoidable. So CPMs are up year over year, cost per lead is up. Um, And at that point, you really do just have to experiment. You have to work with the data that you do have, um, whether that is, you know, kind of finding broader audiences or finding a way that you can reach more people in one state in particular. All of our, the way our business is set up, it's divided up by state because we usually will have one partner in a state. Um, And then it's also just kind of making sure you're taking advantage of places that are really profitable and right rather i think i think a lot of the time in marketing it's striking a balance between what you know works and what has potential mm, so that's true yeah yeah exactly so if i know that leads in tennessee are going to be really inexpensive and efficient and enroll really well it's about investing in tennessee but not forgetting about you know a montana which has like a lower population not necessarily the biggest kind of tech hub but knowing that there are people who are in montana who want to kind of better themselves who want access to that kind of education um and making sure that you don't neglect those other areas even though you know one is actually going to work probably better um and giving you know, giving equal opportunity to campaigns that you might not think will work as well. Yeah. And that's so interesting. I've, I've, I've worked on campaigns before where there are different states split up into different states as well. Um, how, and question for you, um, how do you know when a certain state has hit their optimum or optimal CAC? Because every single state will have a different CAC. How do you know when you've hit the optimal CAC? What, what kind of signs do you look for? Do, is there a certain KPI that you look for that will tell you, okay, I've, I've hit the maximum? So I don't typically think of it in terms of it's hit its maximum. I think of it in terms of, oh, we found efficiency here. Um, mm-hmm. People enter into the workforce every single year. People leave the workforce and come back every single year. So there's always going to be people who are looking for this type of education and it's just about finding them. Um, you know, sometimes what can be really helpful is the partnership with the school itself does a really good job of promoting in their local landscape. Um, they're in catalogs, they do mail drops. So things like that, that are more like much more on the ground um, right. can really help us out. Um, but I would say that it, it's about finding efficiency, but also equally important knowing when an investment in a certain area is just you've done it enough and knowing when you've done everything and it's time to kind of, you know, maybe, maybe have one campaign a month there that you have a lifetime budget on, but you know that, you know, it's not, it's not worth continuing to invest in. So so what do you look for, for like efficiency? Like, is there a certain KPI that, that you really focus on? Uh, yeah, so I would yeah. focus yeah on lead to enroll. So how ma- our enrollment enroll. rate essentially. Okay. So okay. once we've kind of hit that five percent, then I know that we're doing a really good job. And that's not to say that it can't improve. There's still room for improvement. We have some schools that enroll at eight percent, ten percent. But once once we're at five, we're very happy. Cool. 
Cool, cool. And and usually, uh, what when you're running these ads, are they usually going towards you know enroll now, or are there are certain links that you're sharing, like I don't know, career coaches. I'm just throwing out ideas. I don't know, workshops seem to work really well, and regardless mm-hmm. what niche you're in, I don't know, like what 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 is it um, um, usually advertising? Um, so essentially, how the business works is when someone clicks on our ad, they are taken to a landing page. They fill out um, a preliminary assessment, which is just kind of like a knowledge, um, a knowledge test, general knowledge, just to see if they're if they're they have the aptitude to complete um, one of our courses. Um, and then they're paired up with an admissions advisor who kind of coaxes them towards an enrollment. Um, but what I really love about our admissions advisors is that if you if you cannot complete the program, they will not enroll you. So mm. if you do not have the aptitude, we will not right. accept you as a customer, which I think is probably disappointing for people who would like to enroll. Um, but it's again, it goes back to making sure that this is an affordable, accessible investment that's going to work for you as the student. Um, right. So yeah, we won't we won't enroll you if we don't think you can do it. I think that's a good long-term play, right? Because if let's say you're the, you know, you're UCLA, if you had started, imagine the person who started, like imagine 20 years ago, if they just accepted everybody and a lot of people lost thousands and thousands of dollars because they just weren't ready for the program. I don't think they would have grown to where they are today. So I think that, I think that's a good play. No, of course not. And then all that, it comes back to, you know, marketing. It's an, uh, Google reviews are unpaid marketing. So if we have a bunch of people in, you know, reviewing us on Google saying that it was a horrible course and they couldn't finish it and there was nobody there to help them, um, that's long term not going to be very good for us. So we want people who are going to excel and succeed um, because we want that to be our reputation. Yeah. Do you ever get people coming on and, and leaving a bad review because they couldn't get into the course? Is that ever an issue? You know what? Knock on wood. I don't think we've had a bad review yet. So, <laughs> or you can I take a shot of hot sauce instead, instead of knocking on wood. And that, that I'm might, gonna. That I might only help. have a little bit of water left. I don't think I can. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Cool. Well, this was this was great. Um, really glad that we dove into your expertise as a as, a, as an ad expert. Um, thank you for all the tips uh, regarding Prominio Tech. What should we be looking forward to in the next, let's say, call it six to 12 months? What are some of the milestones? Um, and uh, yeah, what should we be looking forward to? Uh, well, very exciting and kind of appropriate for me talking to you. We're actually, um, we are now in Canada. So we have two partners currently signed Canadian university or community colleges. We have Loyalist and we have Sioux College and we have a couple more in the pipeline, um, one of which is in BC. So that is super, super exciting. So by the end of the year, hopefully we'll have five Canadian partners, which is really, really exciting because now we're truly a North American brand versus just uh, USA. Um, And are there remote opportunities too? Like, let's say I'm from Vancouver, but I want to take a class in, uh, you know, in a school somewhere in Tennessee or New York. Can I, can I do that? Um, In theory? Yeah, that, that would be no problem. Um, the only thing is, yeah, if you have a if you have a certain affinity for a brand name that we kind of represent and work on behalf of, you could. Yeah. Um, but yeah. we really do encourage students to 
pair up with a partner, an educational partner, that's going to mean something for their local workforce. <clears throat> so right. if you are living in Nashville, it doesn't really make a ton of sense for you to enroll at our New York partner because mm. if you're going to be working in Nashville, you kind of want that respected brand name on your mm. resume. So it's it, in theory, you could do it. I don't think it would be a problem, but um, you do have to keep in mind what's going to be most impactful when you try and go out and find a job afterwards. Sweet. Well, I think that does it. Um, super, uh, you know, thankful that you that you came on and shared all these tips. Um, I'm sure our audience have have learned a lot. I certainly have learned something. So, uh, yeah, excited to get you back on in the future. And hopefully you guys are at an even bigger stage by then. And, uh, you know, excited for some of the updates then. But uh, thank you so much for joining today. Yeah, I would love to. Thank you so much.